Good morning, I'm Jim Jeffrey, one of the pastors here at Chapel Point, and I want to remind every guy here who's dating, engaged, or married that Tuesday is Valentine's Day. Just want you to know that. It's pretty important uh, to give you a couple days notice. But I also want to say to anyone who here is, who is single and anyone here who is a widow and you're alone, we want you to know that you're in a place where you are loved and that God loves you in a wonderful, sacrificial way that he demonstrated that on the cross. And we want you to know that, that nothing can separate you from that love. And so today, I want you to hear it. You are loved. I want you all to say to me, say with me, to the person sitting next to you, you are loved. Just say that, would you please? We want to be in a place where the love of Christ is alive and is changing our lives. And we want to encourage you with that. So take a look at this. The restoration project is going well, isn't it? Actually has a coat of paint on it and uh, making some progress. You know, when I think about restoration, if you were to take on a project to do something you've never done, and maybe you're not really a craftsman and you're not that skillful in it, you may go get a book, you know, like Restoration for Dummies or something like that. Or you may get a, a magazine article on how to restore something. You could go to a YouTube, and that's a little bit better, kind of giving you the step-by-step -step process. Or you could... Um, you could actually take a class where someone's going to actually walk you through it. But the best would be, I mean, the very best would be if you had someone that was a master craftsman working with you. I have learned on home projects that there's some home projects that are way above me, and I like to learn, but I like to have somebody who knows what they're doing to work with it because it just goes a whole lot better. I've learned that about plumbing. I've learned that about several other things. So listen, when it comes to wisdom, we need the Holy Spirit to teach us God's wisdom. We need the Holy Spirit to be the one who is our teacher. And today, I hope that by the end of this message, you will be not only informed, but encouraged and challenged that for every believer in Jesus Christ, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, which according to the promise of the new covenant is in you to be your teacher. And that is a marvelous privilege and a wonderful opportunity for us. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us God's wisdom. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read the Word of God together. You ready for that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to verse 14. And you know the, the, the uh, drill here. When I stop, you read the next word, all right? Here we go. But as it is written, what no has seen nor heard nor, had, nor the of man imagined, what God has for those who love him. These things God has to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit everything, even the of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God, that we might understand the things freely, graciously given to us by God. And we impart this in words not by human wisdom, but by the Spirit, spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be by no one. For who has the mind of the Lord so as to? But we have the mind of Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. That is the Word of God. 
So friends, I want to I help you from this passage to see the reasons why we need the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit and, and why that is such a blessing and a benefit to you. And one of those, he tells us in verse 9, the, kind of the transition from last week's message about the wisdom of the gospel. He said, but as it is written, what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those that love him. It's actually a quote from Isaiah 64, verse 4, that says, For um, from old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you. You know, human wisdom often comes from observation with our eyes or hearing with our ears. And we're able to, through sensory perception, to kind of get a grip on certain kinds of human wisdom. Scientists use their eyes to observe. We can learn certain things that way, but we can't learn biblical, godly, spiritual wisdom that way because it, it, it's a matter of the heart, not just the eyes and the ears, and that has to come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us that wisdom. It's interesting, in the book of Acts, we're told that the early church uh, determined they needed extra leadership and extra uh, help to serve the needs, particularly of the widows in the church. And so they, they said, look for men, seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Holy Spirit, wisdom. They chose among them Stephen. Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin, the theologians, the ruling body of the Jews, and they were not able to withstand the spirit and the wisdom with which he spoke. And so we see this idea that this is a, a wisdom that doesn't come from sensory perception. You see, in the Jewish understanding, you were to move from knowledge to understanding to wisdom. Knowledge is having the truth revealed by God in relationship with God. Knowledge was not abstract information like you can get from the internet. Knowledge was truth revealed by God in relationship to God. Understanding was to gain the insight into the meaning of that knowledge, the light going on, say, oh, I get it, I get it. And wisdom was the application skillfully of that knowledge and understanding to life, the skill of living. And so the, the, that is not something that comes simply from sensory perception. It is something that has to be taught by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we're told here, gives us wisdom for what God has prepared for those who love him. I love this word, prepared. God has prepared. The word prepared is actually used a lot of times in the New Testament. It was used for preparing a feast, like in the future there's going to be a feast prepared. Uh, Jesus told his disciples to prepare the Passover. John the Baptist prepared the way before the Lord. It talks about getting something ready, spreading it out, and so to, to do that. When I think about what God has prepared for you and me, that we can't see with our eyes or hear with our ears, but the Holy Spirit can teach us. God has prepared for us of the riches that we have in Christ. Through the Old Testament, God was preparing the Messiah to come, revealing more and more about him. And then he came in his incarnation, and he did his miracles, and he taught, and he went to the cross and died there, and he rose again and ascended to heaven. And God had prepared the Messiah. And now we look back through the writings of the epistles, and we learn more insight and understanding of what God had prepared in the Messiah. We also learn what God has prepared in salvation. My friends, the more that you understand 
the riches of God's grace that he has prepared in salvation, the more you're going to be grateful and want to praise and worship him. God has prepared for you redemption to deliver you from the slavery of sin. God has prepared reconciliation so that you as an enemy of God are now a friend of God. God has prepared the new birth so that you are risen from the dead in newness of life with Christ. God has prepared forgiveness so that your debt of sin could be canceled. God has prepared atonement so that the wrath against you from God has been satisfied. God has prepared for you all of the glory of his salvation. God also has prepared for you heaven. It's interesting, the same word that's used here of prepared was used of what Jesus promised in the upper room. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. It's the same word that's used in Hebrews chapter 11, where God had prepared a city for them. God has prepared for us a kingdom. All of human history is moving towards the ultimate event when Christ the Messiah comes back to this planet as King of kings and Lord of lords, and he sets up his kingdom. In all the chaos and wars and difficulty, it's going to be done, friends, because Jesus is coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom. God's prepared that. And God has prepared a new heaven and a new earth. And the Holy Spirit wants to, not through sensory perception, but through spirit teaching, to let you get get an, an insight into the gracious preparation of God for you. And all of that for His glory. And all of that for our benefit. What a joy that the Holy Spirit gives us something way beyond sensory perception in terms of what God has prepared. The Spirit also reveals God's thoughts. Look at verse 10 and 11. He says, these things that God has prepared for us, he has now revealed, he's pulled back the the, the curtain and, and, and shown to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches everything, even the depths of God, even the depths of God. That word depths is a word that is used in today in what they call a bathosphere. A bathosphere is actually something that they've created so a human being can get into it and be safe when they drop it into the deepest part of the ocean with a cable attached to a boat. And by the way, oxygen as well, that helps. And it goes all the way down to the deepest part of the ocean and you can see it. You can can see what's there. They can explore in a bathosphere. This, This word for depths is the same idea, the same word. The depths that God wants to show to us. He wants to examine and, and investigate and show us that. You know, on the one and only cruise my wife and I have been on, we went to the, among other islands, we went to the Bahamas. Now, I'm not against cruises. I, I, I just don't want to catch everything that's on the, on the cruise. And um, we, I kind of decided that I'd rather fly in one place and stay there. That it's just, to me, that's just more relaxing. So we, 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 uh, one of the ports we went into was Nassau, Bahamas. And all of the people on that cruise were going in tour buses, and it just didn't sound like a fun idea to me. So I said, "Hon, let's do something different. We rented a motorcycle and the helmets that went with it. And we went just uh, around part of the island. And then we went over this bridge to a place called Paradise Island. It's a attached island there. And we found an isolated beach where there wasn't very many people. And we just went there, and we spent the entire day at this beach. It was glorious. There was not a crowd. We just had the beach to ourselves. I love swimming. It's just something I enjoy doing, and, uh, and at least pre-COVID, I enjoy doing. And, and what happened is, is we went to this beach, and you could see the beautiful white sands, and you could see the turquoise water, and the sky was beautiful. But I went out along this coral that was there, and I went underwater, and I can hang underwater for a really, really long time. And I'm just hanging there, and all these tropical fish 
are swimming around me. No sharks, no stingrays, just tropical fish, all these different colors. It was absolutely beautiful. Friends, listen, there were things you could see from the beach, but there's things you could only see when you went down to the depths. The Holy Spirit is in you to teach you the deep things of God. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 119, verse 18, open my eyes that I can behold wondrous things out of your law. That's a great prayer when you're starting to read the Bible. God, open my eyes. And then he goes on in the same idea, and he says, um, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person in him? Friends, I've learned that I can't assume that I know what a person's thinking. I'm almost always wrong. Um, word to the wise husbands here. Just want you to know that. Don't assume. Don't assume. Ask questions. You don't know what a person is thinking unless they tell you what they're thinking, right? They tell you what's in their heart. He said in the same way, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit helps to reveal God's thoughts of these deep things of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God other than the Spirit of God. Isaiah 55, the prophet Isaiah uses the word thoughts and ways repeatedly, calling people to repentance. And, and he says at one point, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Uh, it's been a humbling reality for me that I've realized again and again, and maybe in a deeper way at this stage of life. I don't normally think God's thoughts. Matter of fact, my thoughts are normally 180 degrees opposite of God's thoughts, which is why God continually calls me to repentance, which is a Michigan U-turn spiritually, okay? So, so God's continually calling me to repentance because my thoughts are not his thoughts. And I'm constantly being confronted by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God saying, you know what, I thought about that is opposite, it's wrong. God changed my thoughts. And, and that God's ways, his paths, the, the, the route he wants me to take in life isn't the one that I would normally take. Friends, if you, if you haven't realized that, I just want to help you to understand. God's thoughts aren't your thoughts. Say that with me. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. Say it one more time. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. God's ways are not my ways. God's ways are not my ways. Friends, just got to get over it. It's real. But the Holy Spirit is there to help you think God's thoughts and choose God's paths. Why? Because God knows he's omniscient and God is wise. And he wants to show his thoughts to you. Isn't that a joy? God wants to show his thoughts to you. There was a, a scientist named William S. Boyle. Not like in boil water, B-O-Y-L-E. He won the Nobel Prize in physics because he was a co-inventor of the electronic eye behind every digital camera and the Hubble telescope. So this guy was a brilliant, brilliant scientist. So he's traveling, and he's in um, Halifax, Nova Scotia. He goes into a store because he wants to buy a new digital camera. The salesman in there is a young guy, and he's you know, like, treating him like he knows absolutely nothing, and he's trying to explain to him the technology behind the digital camera. And he finally stops, and he says, it's too hard to explain. It's too complicated. You probably couldn't understand it. To which, <laughs> to, to which Willard Boyle said... Um, no need to explain, I invented it. <laughs> no need to explain, I invented it. Friends, listen. God's thoughts are so far beyond your thoughts. God's ways are so far beyond your ways. And when we come humbly to the Word of God and say, God, teach me your thoughts. Show me your ways. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that reveals God's thoughts to us. The Spirit also teaches us biblical wisdom from Scripture. Look at verse 12 and 13. 
He said, we've received not the spirit of the world. I believe that's a reference probably to Satan. But the spirit, the Holy Spirit that is from God. That we might understand, that we might comprehend the things that are freely given to us by God. And we impart this, this wisdom, in words not taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths, and the ESV says, to those that are spiritual. You need to know an alternative translation of the end of that in the New American Standard is combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. The NIV says, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. It is a possible alternative translation, which twice then in this passage, he's talking about the Holy Spirit teaching us, teaching us from words, words not taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Spirit. And it's possible that the end of that is interpreting spiritual truths in spiritual words. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher because He is the divine author of the Bible. Now, now get this. This is, this is so exciting. Peter in 2 Peter 1.21 talks about the transfiguration of Christ and how Christ showed His glory there. And then he says this. He talked about the Old Testament prophets. And he said, holy men of God, divine, the authors of the 39 books of the Old Testament, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And he uses nautical terminology, talking about a sailboat being blown through the water. That's exactly the, the concept. That holy men of God spoke as they were propelled along by the Holy Spirit. So in the 66 books of the Old and New Testament, you have human authors and you have divine authors. Human and divine. The Bible is, in its inspiration, is a quality like no other book. It is God-breathed. It is given by the Spirit. You have the Spirit as the divine author, and you have human authors. David said in 2 Samuel 23, 2, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me. He understood that. And his word was in my tongue. The prophet Micah said, I'm full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. So friends, get this. The Holy Spirit that is in you, indwelling you, is the divine author of the Bible. I have read some pretty complicated books in my day, um, and, and there's some books that are hard to understand. Um, <clears throat> one, one of my favorite books is Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you that know me know that. And I was looking for a book that would help me understand all of the biblical allusions and, um, and quotes in that. And I was actually taking a doctorate class with Dr. Warren Wiersbe at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. And at one of the breaks, because he's a man who knew a lot of books, he's home in heaven now, doesn't need any books. But he, uh, he, he's, I asked him, I said, Dr. Wiersbe, do you know, has anybody written a book about Pilgrim's Progress showing every biblical quote and allusion in it? He said, yes, I did. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. He said, it's out of print. I found one copy in Baker Bookhouse, and I have it in my possession, and no, I will not loan it out. But, but what, what was interesting, supposing, supposing that I could actually have Bunyan, if I could talk to John Bunyan and say, Bunyan, what did you mean by this? Uh, how did you understand that? Or, or let's say Shakespeare. You're trying to understand one of Shakespeare's play, and you had Shakespeare to be your teacher. be kind of a cool thing, wouldn't it? Or you have someone that has written a manual that is very technical and difficult to understand, but the author of that manual is sitting alongside you to help you interpret it. Friends, that's what we have in the in this Holy Spirit's ministry of teaching. The divine author is in us to be able to teach us. 
Listen to what Jesus said in the upper room to his disciples, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. John 16, verse 13 to 14. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In other, in other words, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. John Piper said it this way. His purpose, that is the Spirit's purpose for our lives, is that the work of his Spirit happens through the Word. And the work of his Word happens through the Spirit. The Spirit and the Word are inseparable in wakening and sustaining joy. From the first act of regeneration to the final act of glorification. God works by the Spirit through His Word to glorify His Son and to satisfy His people. But friends, I want you to get this. When the Spirit teaches you the Bible, it is not simply to inform you. The Holy Spirit's teaching is never just to inform you. The goal of God in teaching you the Bible by the Spirit is not to make you a smarter sinner or to help you win at Bible trivia and lose at life. The work of the Holy Spirit is to transform you. The work of the Holy Spirit is to transform you. You haven't learned anything biblically until you've been changed by it. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a passage that's talking about the new covenant relationship we have with God. And one of the blessings of the new covenant is that the Holy Spirit actually is our teacher. He ends with this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all, with unveiled face, behold as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Friends, understand this. God's goal and the Spirit teaching you is to transform you and change you in your character, in your relationships, in your morality, in your ethics, in your way that you view life, in your wisdom for navigating life. This, the, the purpose in which the Spirit is in you is to conform you to Jesus, to make you more and more like Him. So friends, the question I want to ask you right now is this. When is the last time that you were changed by the Word of God? That God changed your thinking, He changed your character, He changed your relationship. God confronted you with something in your life that you need to deal with. If you can't think of anything beyond this past week, then I want to say to you, the Holy Spirit is in you for the purpose of changing you. He teaches biblical truth to transform us into God's likeness. Another reason why we need the Spirit's teaching in our life is because a natural man cannot understand spiritual realities. He said in verse 14, the natural man, that is the, the unregenerate man, who is spiritually dead, doesn't accept doesn't embrace the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. So friends, don't be surprised if people that don't yet know Christ look at what you believe and what the Bible teaches and say it's nonsense. It says it right here. That's going to be the reaction. Why? Because a natural man can't comprehend, can't discern spiritual truth. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So a person can have a brilliant mind in other fields and not understand the Bible at all. You get that? A person can have a PhD in some discipline and not understand the Word of God at all. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't. You can't understand and apply the Bible. So don't be intimidated by that. He said they're folly to him. They're not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. 
He said, the spiritual person judges, same word as discerned in verse 14, all things, but he himself is judged of no one. Judged of no one. So there's no capacity to, to apprise and com- comprehend spiritual truth. Paul in Romans 8, verse 5 and 6 said this, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those that live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind of the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. And so as we mature spiritually, we're able to understand biblical truth and discern it. The natural man can't discern spiritual truth. But the more you grow in Christ, the more you're going to be able to discern spiritual truth. It's interesting that the philosophers in the Greek world had a, some I, the thinking of the development of a person in terms of philosophy. Says so you've got the beginner, then you've got the one who's making progress, then you've got the mature or uh, complete person. Paul in the Corinthians uses some different terminology. He talks about the person who is the natural man, who has not the Spirit of God. Then he actually challenges and confronts the Corinthians with being spiritually immature in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. He said, you're people of the flesh, you're infants in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk, not with solid food. You're not ready for it. So that's a spiritual infant. Same concept in Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, that because they hadn't used the word, they were not able to discern the word. And then he talks about the person who is spiritual or the person who's becoming mature in Christ's likeness and able to discern. He said, we impart these, these in the, the words of God. He said, they're spiritually discerned, verse 14. The spiritual person, meaning the spiritually mature person, judges all things, but nobody can really understand him. So the believer, the mature believer, is a mystery to the world and the people around him. The mature believer, he's saying, is, uh, is a, because of um, his understanding of spiritual realities, he is, he is not somebody that others can understand. I'll give you two examples of that. Joseph. Joseph became, at a young age, I believe, a spiritually mature young man. His brothers didn't understand him. Potiphar's wife sure didn't understand him. The jailer didn't understand him. But there came a time when Joseph is brought out of jail before the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh. And and Pharaoh had had two dreams, and, and it really messed with him, and nobody could interpret the dreams. Joseph comes in, he interprets the dream because the Spirit of God had given him the wisdom to do that, and he is now established as the prime minister of Egypt. Why? Because he had spiritual discernment that the natural man doesn't have. Daniel, another example. Daniel, as a young man, had wisdom from God. His parents named him judged by God. Daniel, that Daniel, that's what that means. And so he's taken to Babylon, and he takes a stand for God, and he's a man who has a capacity for the wisdom of God. Daniel, as still a young man, is, is really being trained for a role of government. And Nebuchadnezzar has a dream as well. And it, this dream, he's going to test his magicians and all the wise men of Babylon saying, you got to interpret this. you got to tell me the dream and interpret it for me. And the wise man says, no, 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 you tell us the dream and we'll interpret it for you. He says, you're stalling. Matter of fact, he's, they said, there's never a king that's ever asked for this from these wise men. And he says, you tell me the dream and its interpretation or I'm going to have you all killed. And he begins to make plans to do that. 
Daniel gets together with his friends and prays. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So he prays, and God grants him insight into what the dream was and what it means. And he comes in before Nebuchadnezzar, and he tells him his dream, and he interprets the dream, and nobody can really understand Daniel. Daniel was an enigma to them because he's a man who had spiritual wisdom. Friends, when you have wisdom from the Spirit of God, it changes everything. You know, there's two different kinds of wisdom. James 3 tells us, verses 13 to 18. There's a wisdom from below that is of the flesh, sometimes satanic, and it is carnal. And there's a wisdom that's from above, and that wisdom comes from God through the Holy Spirit. So friends, I want you to know, the natural man can't understand. But as you mature spiritually, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you, and you're going to discern more and more spiritual reality. It's another reason why we need the Holy Spirit as our teacher. If you look at verse um, 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord? Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? The word instruct means to, to kind of hold together like all the ligaments in your body, to knit together, to draw a conclusion in the face of evidence. That's what it's talking about. And he's saying, who can understand that? Who can understand God's mind? Who can instruct God? But then he says this, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. That's actually quoting from Isaiah 40, verses 13 to 14. Who can instruct God? Who can know the thoughts of God? And then he says, we have the mind of Christ. There's a Persian proverb that says this, he who knows not and knows not that he knows not, is a fool. Shun him. He who knows not and knows that he knows not is a child. Teach him. He who knows and knows not that he knows is asleep. Wake him. He who knows and knows that he knows is wise. Follow him. Now, you try to say that really five times really fast. The point is this. When you know what you know, but you do that with humility, you can be wise you can be like a Daniel. You can be like a Joseph. Solomon becomes the king after David. And God shows up in a vision to him and says, in essence, I'm going to give you a carte blanche opportunity. I'm going to write a check, sign it, and you can fill in what you want. God actually says, ask for whatever you want, Solomon, and I will give it to you. And Solomon's prayer was this, God, give me wisdom. Give me an understanding heart. God was so pleased with that prayer that he said, Solomon, because you didn't ask for yourself power, riches, or the defeat of your enemies, you asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you not only wisdom, I'm going to give you power, I'm going to give you riches, I'm going to give you victory over your enemies because I'm pleased that you asked for wisdom. Friends, I want you to know that when he thinks of the mind of Christ, it says we have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is in us to teach us and to reproduce in us the mind of Christ so that we think his thoughts. Paul in Philippians 2 said, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul spoke a lot about the mind in his letters. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That the change of putting off the old man and the new man is by being renewing in our mind. God wants to give us the mind of Christ, to think like Christ thought. And you can do that through the help of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Lord Jesus, we're told, was full of the Spirit and of wisdom, Isaiah 11, 2. That he's the wonderful counselor, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. That Paul, at the end of Romans 11, said, Oh, the depth of the, ri- the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. We need the Holy Spirit to be our teacher because God's wisdom doesn't come from sensory perception. The Spirit reveals God's thoughts. The Spirit teaches biblical wisdom. The natural man can't understand spiritual realities. And the Spirit reproduces in us the mind of Christ. For 48 years, I've been involved in teaching the Bible to people. Last month, Mark, 48 years. And part of that, not only teaching in the church, but actually in one place, we had a Christian school, K-12 school. I was involved in education there. Spent 15 years as a president of a university where I was involved in higher Christian learning. And and along the way, I began to just try to learn what makes a person a really good learner. What is it about them? Because, friends, as a disciple of Christ, a disciple is a learner. That's what a disciple is. So what makes a person a really good learner? Come up with five things. We're going to have them up on the screen for you here. Five characteristics of a really good learner. And you need to ask yourself, are these true of you? Because if you're going to be taught by the Spirit, all five need to be true. A learner is humble. There really is not a a, a proud learner is, is a person that's not a learner at all. They think they know it all. Humility, I think, is the first trait of a really good learner. Lord, teach me. Teach me. Not only that, but a, a learner is curious. Do you come to the Word of God curious? Saying, God, teach me. Teach me what you have for me. A, a learner is diligent. Are you spending time in the Word of God every day because you're wanting to learn and have the Spirit teach you? What a tragedy to close your Bible and never open it any day of the week until you get to church on Sunday because you're missing so much of what the Spirit wants to teach you. Friends, I I, I need this in my life every day. And I need the Spirit to teach me every day. The Word of God. So I've got to be diligent. Skill. Friends, when I first went to Bible college, you could take the skill set that I had in, in biblical studies and you could put it in a thimble and you'd have room for a thimble full of water. I was clueless as to how to study the Bible. I'm still learning how to study the Bible. But skill helps you. Study to show yourself approved to God, a craftsman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Skill. And then the idea that we learn together in community, collaboration. So you can learn from others, and others can learn from you. And we need to collaborate in the body of Christ. That's why we have small groups and why we have classes. I love to be able to walk by one of the classrooms in session, like a woman's tea or or a precept Bible study or one of our Wednesday night studies. And And I look in the window and see people interacting with one another. And they're humble, and they're curious, and they're diligent, and they're skillful, but they're collaborating together to learn. My question for you this morning is, are you a learner? Are you a learner? Do you come to God and to the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be your teacher with humility? Do you come with curiosity? Do you come with diligence? Do you come with skill? Do you come with collaboration? Friends, I want you to know, God has so much he wants to teach you. God has so many ways in which he wants to change you. God has so much that he wants to show you. 
And for you not to be taught by the Spirit is a tragedy. It is a tragedy. The new covenant means the Holy Spirit is in you to be your teacher. Are you a learner? Are you a learner? Do you come so hungry to God and say, God, teach me, show me, show me. I want to learn of you. If you don't, hey, how about this week? How about saying, Spirit of God, will you be my teacher? Will you be my teacher? Will you mentor me so that I might have the wisdom of God? So I can think God's thoughts, choose God's paths. Father in heaven, God of all wisdom, we worship you. Lord Jesus, our rabbi and our teacher, we worship you. Holy Spirit of God, divine author of scripture, who is our teacher, we worship you. And may we come to you day after day with a humble heart, with a curious mind. May we come diligently to sit at your feet and learn of you. May we come skillfully as you teach us the skills of studying your word. And may we come together to learn with others. Spirit of God, be our teacher, we pray in Jesus' name.